You're listening to Family Life Church, San Jose. And now, a message from Pastor Richard Hernandez. Today's service, we're going to do something a little bit different because I'm telling you, I'm ready for what's next. I'm ready for the next group of leaders that God is raising up here. The next people that God has called that have been inspired to say that I know I'm supposed to do more. I know I'm supposed to be a light. I know I'm supposed to be a witness because I know God is stirring you guys up. And in fact, so I'm going to bring somebody up here that I felt like was a good representation of that. In fact, this young lady, uh, when I heard the story, my wife came and she told me the story of what happened. I'm going to set the stage for you. She's, she's uh, in high school and she had to write, uh, 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 she had to do a, uh, a report. And in that report, she, had to, she decided that she was going to write about her life and about her faith. That report was not just going to be turned into the teacher. Not only that, she was going to have to read that report in front of all her other classmates. How many know God used her to be a witness? So you guys, help me. I'm going to show you something. I'm going to bring somebody up. Can you guys help me welcome Amaya to come up here? Come on up here, Amaya. Amaya. This girl, this girl got swag. Her shoe game is on point. But more importantly, God is doing something tremendous in her life. And so I, I asked her to share the report that she wrote for her class and spoke in front of her classmate. Camila, go ahead and play something for her to get some music. Go ahead, Amaya. The meaning of life can be whatever you want it to be, whether it's pursuing a dream finding something that motivates you, or facing a fear that's haunted you. For example, since I was little, I've always had big dreams. I've always wanted to be something big, someone that could impact others' lives. Growing up, I went through a lot of different seasons. Some seasons affected me in ways that I could never imagine, and others made me the person I am today. One of the many experiments experiences that I had has to do with my parents. My parents had been together for 17 years before separating. Although I knew them separating was the best choice, it took a huge toll on me. Seeing my mom go through all the heartache and pain she went through for a man that didn't deserve her hurt me. I watched her go through the same cycle over and over again with him for 15 years. She stood by his side through it all and not once walked out on him when she should have. My father was in prison most of my childhood. When he had been released, he'd do good for about a year, then go back to his same old ways. It was a pattern with him. I always felt the need to give him chance after chance just because he was my dad, but I realized it was only hurting me more and more. It was like he only came around when it benefited him, not because he felt it was right. Just recently, I have cut ties with him for good, and since then, I felt a huge weight off my shoulders. I thank God for my father every day because even though he wasn't there for his family the way he should have been, he showed me what not to be like. He showed me to be better. I was always the type of person to show resentment towards someone that hurt me. Forgiveness was a characteristic so hard for me to grasp. I'd hold on to the pain and I wouldn't talk about how I felt. I would keep everything in because I felt like my feelings didn't matter. But suddenly it had all changed. April 20th is a day I will never forget. My sister had asked me to go to church with her, and sure enough, I did. That day, I had gotten saved, and I believe that God used my sister to plant a seed in me and used me to get through my mom. 
Come on. That following Sunday, I got my mom to go to church, and a few Sundays later, she got saved. Come on. Since then, I've seen a huge transformation in our lives. One thing I do know is real change happens when those who are willing to risk what they have for something bigger than themselves. I believe we all have a purpose, that we weren't born on accident, but by God's will. He created us in his image, and he has big plans for each and every one of us who will allow him to do what only he can do. Come on. Over this last year, I've learned that my life isn't defined by the circumstances I faced and continue to face or defined by the things I don't and do have. In fact, what defines my life is the way I act on the situations that I, can go, that I go through. When I happen to go through certain things, I see them as tests by God. I know that he's right by my side and going to see me through the storm. I look at the tough times as challenges that may be overcome as long as I put Jesus first in everything I do and continuously seek him and not lose sight of the truth. We should live every day with humbleness and gratitude. Try being encouraging and a blessing to one another. Being able to just wake up another day and breathe fresh air should be enough for you to want to live life. Tomorrow is never promised. We never know when our time is up. And before it's too late, I hope each and every one of you will know Jesus and find comfort in his love. I know we all aren't perfect and rainy days are going to come, but none of that matters. What you decide to do about it is what matters knowing what's right from wrong, following our heart and the voice inside you, pressing through the storms in our life with a humble heart while praising the Lord will always bring us to a reward at the end. Just believe in him and he'll place favor in your life. Life to me is being like Jesus Christ. Without him, we will have a void. God is love, able, and altogether awesome. That is what life means to me. Come on. Come on, church. Come on, church. God is good. See, God can use us to be witnesses. Whatever your circle, wherever you're at, wherever you've been, there, it takes a boldness and a confidence. You know, for me, ministry started when I was in high school. The first sermon that I ever preached was to teenagers in my own schools. In my own neighborhood, my own block, God did something. See, there's a legacy that's being passed on. And when God begins to impart something, if you receive it, you can't help but let other people know about it. Even if you might face ridicule. Even if somebody might not like what you're saying. What a teacher might give you a bad grade. See, when we obey God, it changes lives. Come on, somebody. See, we have to realize that what we're doing here and what we're a part of is something special. It's not just meant for us. It's going to be passed down from generation to generation. Have you thought about like when you're looking at your life? Have you thought about what I'm passing on? Have you thought about that? Have you really thought about how much it is? Because when you realize that you have a legacy that you're building, it helps you keep focus. In fact, one of my great mentors, Dr. Sam Huddleston, changed my life at a, at a conference. This is what he said. He said, uh, he said, the life you lead is the legacy you will leave. See, it made me think about not only what I inherited, but what I'm passing down. In fact, it made me begin to look and evaluate my life that, man, the life that I'm living right now is the legacy that I'm going to live. It's not something that's far off. See, it told me that my legacy, and I'm thinking about legacy, it matters right now. It's not something that's far off. We make the mistake of thinking that legacy is something that matters only after we're gone, but it's not. It's not what's passing away. It's what you're doing and how you're living right now. 
that will determine what is being passed on. See, this is an essential part of faith is what we're imparting, what we're passing on. See, you may not even realize that the sermons and the messages you hear, it's giving you something that you're intended to take and pass it down to the next generation. Now, Amaya's kind of a shy person, quiet person. You may not have known this, but there's a lioness inside of her. There's a boldness and a confidence that can only come from God. We're just waiting for the moment it comes out. And the same thing is in you. The same ability to stand up and be a witness, it's in you. It's been imparted in you. You may not even realize that you received it all. Sometimes you look at your teenagers and you say, man, they're not listening to anything I'm saying. But, but I know that God, see, the whole purpose of faith was there's something being imparted right now. This is an essential part of Christianity. In fact, when we look at Jesus, we begin to see that from the moment he started, we talked about this, the moment he started his ministry, he was imparting for what? What was going to come next? Everything he was doing was to prepare his disciples that the mission was going to continue even after he was gone. The next wave, the next generation was going to continue to be the witness. Come on, somebody. What a thought, though, that groundwork that we're doing right now, you being here this morning, you being a part of everything that Family Life was doing is going to be passed down years. Do you know that this church is over 100 years old? Two ladies decided that they were going to start a movement in San Jose and the building that we're standing in, the building that we're a part of, came from two ladies who had a vision over a hundred years ago. I don't know, that's amazing. And I look at Jesus' words and how those were the groundwork that thousands of years later, we're still speaking those same words. See, we have a great heritage in our church and we actually have a great legacy that's been passed down to us. There's a responsibility. There's something special about what God is doing right here and what we're a part of. There's something that's been passed down to us that we're supposed to grab hold and take it to another level. Do you know that we're a part? We're a convergence of two great fellowships in Praise Chapel and the Assemblies of God. That there's some make our DNA makeup is with these great fellowships of church planning and missions and going out in all the world and to receive the lost. It's a part of who we are in our DNA been passed down to us that we're building off in fact so I thought about it. if we're thinking about legacy and we're going to think about what it is that we're building if we can get excited church that we're not going into 2020 with no vision we're not going into 2020 without any purpose we're going in with a, a clear obvious purpose with clarity that God has given us an assignment right here in the city of San Jose this legacy was passed down to us and we're supposed to be building off it come on somebody so when I thought about legacy, I wanted to equip us so that we can understand that when let's talk about the foundations of what every legacy needs to be built upon. The first one I'm going to give you is prayer. We've talked about it a lot throughout this series, but can I tell you something? Your legacy needs to be founded in your prayer life. It took me a while to really understand this because I get excited and I want to start achieving and start doing before I've really taken the time to pray. See, what ends up happening is we hear from God and we can get excited like I'm ready to go do it. But what happens is, is God gives you that nudge and we got to pray and say, OK, God, what is it that you want me to say? What is it that you want me to do? See, because we need to know exactly why we're doing it. And that comes from prayer. See, I used to be so anxious. I used to get ahead of myself. I'm like the guy. I heard it. Let's do it. I would have saved myself a lot of headache and a lot of heartache if I would have prayed first. And really ask God, what is it I'm supposed to be doing? Because what ends up happening when you move too fast without prayer, your own ideas and thoughts start to get in the way. This is the truth that I'm trying to give you here because I would have saved myself a lot of trouble. See, Jesus showed this in his exampleship. 
Do you know that Jesus, and he had three years to accomplish, to save the whole world in his ministry, three years. And yet we see that Jesus always took the time to pray. He made sure to take his closest disciples and to pray. In fact, the very first instruction that he gave the disciples was to go wait and to pray in Jerusalem until the promise came. So prayer was essential to passing what God was trying to do. Part of his legacy, what we were supposed to do is inherit. Jesus showed us in his lifestyle. So let's get to the text. Philippians 4 will give us something, what I'm talking about here. The teaching in this, Paul's writing to the church. He says in verse 6, he says, be anxious for nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, how many things? It says everything. With thanksgiving, let your requests be known to God. And the peace of God, say peace of God. One of the things I've been declaring is that we need peace in our home. And it's saying that prayer and supplication and thanksgiving and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Jesus Christ. How many like the idea of a peace that passes all understanding? What that means is, is that there, people won't get how is it that you have comfort even in storms. How can everything be going wrong and yet you feel confident? How can you be sick yet you're praising God? How can you do these things? Well, it's the peace. That passes all understanding. It makes no sense. And so when I look at this verse, I see three things that I want to leave you with here that we need to dissect in understanding what I'm talking about prayer. Number one, it says to be anxious for nothing. Too much of our life is burdened by worry, trouble, and concern. We're full of anxiety and fear. We don't know what's going to happen next. And these things are very common. And a lot of us are suffering from, like, I don't know what's going to happen. I don't know what to do. Well, what is the Lord telling us? He says, well, it should be handled in prayer, with humility, supplication, meaning a desire to see God's will, the desire to go after, I need you, God, to come through. So prayer and supplication. So we're supposed to be handling this fear and anxiety by going before the Lord. So what else does he tell us? He says the second thing I want you to get is that we need to have a grateful heart because it says with what? With thanksgiving. With thanksgiving, do you know that when you're thankful, there's the confidence that come? When you go before the Lord and you thank God for what he has already done, when you thank God for what his word says, it brings about a peace and a clarity, a confidence. Why? Because I know my God can, and I know my God will. I know that he'll do it again. He did it for me before. He'll do it again. It brings about a peace. But it has to come with a grateful heart. Not a, woe's me, God. Why me? I thank God that he chose me to face obstacles because then I can be made more than a conqueror. I thank God that I have weakness so that in my weakness he can be made strong. I thank God that there's obstacles in my way so you can witness the testimony when I say I overcame those things. I thank God for the hardships that I faced. Just like Amiah said, look, I got a dad and I, I thank God for him. Oh, he said, why do you thank God, man? Didn't he make your life tough? Yeah, but it made me who I am. It gave me a strength. It gave me a character. It gave me an inner resolve. So I thank God I can't go back and say, well, if I only had a better life. The hard road that I faced made me the person that I am. The hardships that I faced made me to look up to God and call out to God for help. And I thank God that I asked for help. Come on, somebody. So there's a gratefulness that we need when we go to prayer. And finally, it says, make your request known to God. Some of us need to learn how to open up to God again, not just praying what you've heard other people pray, but instead asking God and saying, God, this is how I'm feeling. This is what I'm going. We need to be honest before the Lord. Pour out a heart because then you'll have a peace and there won't be any anxiety because you know that you went before the Lord and you're honest. 
Instead of going to God, say, God, you know I'm the man. You know I'm supposed to be blessed. You know I'm supposed to be flossing. Instead, we need to go with humility, supplication, a desire to seek God's word. See, sometimes we're worried about things, but God wants to give you an inner peace that gives you a strength to endure. See, this is an essential part of legacy is your prayer life. How you go before the Lord. I'm anxious for nothing with thanksgiving, making my request known to God, saying, God, I want to see this generation saved. I want to see you bring the people from all over the neighborhood. I want to see seven trees in revival. I want to see the, the teenagers coming here. I want to see it, God. Listen how the word continues. It says, finally, brother, brethren, whatever things are true, whatever things are noble, whatever things are just, Whatever things are pure, whatever things are lovely, whatever things are of good report, if there's any virtue, if there's anything praiseworthy, meditate on these things. Say meditate on these things. It says, to, to, let me give you a word that will help you. I've given you the word responsibility. I've told you trust. I'm going to give you another word that you need to carry with you. That word is focus. Too many times we're distracted and sidetracked and, and we take the ship off course because our, uh, so many people's legacy has been lost due to a lack of focus on what God wants them to be focused on. How many know we live in a society where it's easy to get distracted? It's easy to get sidetracked. It's easy to go into 2020 and say, I got all these New Year resolutions that might only last a week or two. Because we live in a society that our minds and we've been programmed to be distracted. We have to be constantly entertained. We can't focus. Can I tell you that's the key to success? Is when you can stay focused on a task and you can stay focused until you see it on. And, and so how does the Lord tell us how to stay focused? He says, well, meditate on whatever's true, whatever's good. In other words, basically focus on the word of God. Focus on the things of God. Then you'll have that peace and then you'll be able to stay on target, to stay focused on what God wants you to do. See, some of us need to simplify some things in our life. Distractions, we need to cut some things out of our life. We need to simplify it. In fact, when I look at the DNA of who we are, it's very simple. When I look at Praise Chapel, they go around, win, build, sin. Win them to the Lord, build them up, and send them out to do the work. Simplified message. In the assemblies of God, we rely on the baptism of the Holy Spirit. We want to see missions, and we want to depend on speaking in tongues and the, feeling of, the infilling of the Holy Ghost simplified way to say, God, I need a, the Holy Spirit to come in. And at this church, we think salvation by faith through grace. That because of God's grace, I know I can. I'm saved. I, I know I'm protected. I know I'm in his book. It gives us a clear direction. See, sometimes we got to simplify something so that not only can we talk about it, but we can actually live it. You know, Jesus did the same thing when he said, look at all the words of the prophets can be summed up into two great commands. He said, worship God and love no other and love your neighbor like you love yourself. Some of us need to get the basic principles so that we can stay focused. There is nothing that God would tell you that will get you off track off his basic principles. Come on. If what is happening in your life, the messages and the things you're living are causing you to judge other people or condemn other people, can I tell you something? They're off focus. If the evangelism say, God, I'm ready for ministry, but you want to go out there and you want to condemn people, that doesn't seem to line up with the simplified message of loving your neighbor and worshiping God, right? So once you have the simplified version, you can stay focused that the sum of everything I do should equal this. Come on, somebody. Then you're building a legacy. Then you're passing down something because if it's too complicated, nobody would understand. Even Jesus simplified things. 
let's look what he continues to say, because I'm telling you, I want us to have clear direction going into 2020. It says this, the things, verse 9 says, the things you've learned and received and heard and saw in me, these do, and the God of peace will be with you. The Apostle Paul is writing, he's telling us that you've watched me, you've seen the things that I'm doing, well, you do them as well. Can I give you another word? The word is exampleship. A foundational principle is following the examples of the biggest impact that will happen in your life is the exampleship. That's what's going to get imparted. See, I grew up in an environment that was more do what I say and not as I do. Anybody with me on that? It was like, do what I say, boy. But how many know that even though they would say not to do this, I found myself going down the same destructive pattern that I saw with my own eyes. Because what I witnessed is what more likely is being imparted. What I'm seeing is more likely what I'm going to do. So if you're going to set the example, set the example of the things of God, because that's what's really going to get imparted. You say, oh man, I pray. I tell you, you need to pray. If nobody ever sees you pray, let me tell you something. Oh, come on, somebody. Oh, you need, I command you to love. Ain't never see you love nobody, ain't never care nobody. It's not going to be continued. How many know that exampleship is essential to legacy? Everything that Jesus said, he also did. He basically said, watch me. He would tell them, look at, look at me, then you'll see the Father. I'm setting an example for you to follow. So your exampleship, see, you got to decide. I thank God. We need to be mindful of how we're living. And I thank God for the exampleship that we've seen in this church. I thank God for our Pastor Mitch for the exampleship that even in struggle, even in sickness, it, he never let go of the calling and the responsibility to see the lost saved. Come on. In the middle of betrayal and hurt, continue to love. This is the example. We've seen what God has done. We've witnessed it. We've got to see this. So Paul's writing, look at the things that I'm doing. You follow these things. See, the legacy has been passed down for generations. Pastor Saul, his pastor, do it for him, and then he's living it out. And it gets passed down, passed down, passed down, all the way down to your children. All the way down from the children's worker in the other building. You're setting an example for other people to follow. Oh, but man, they see you come late to everything. Don't take anything serious. What do you think your kids are going to do? They're going to follow that same example. That's what I did. I couldn't keep a job. I couldn't do that because what you see, what you witness has the biggest impact on your legacy. How you're setting that example. I hope you're all with me. Someone has showed us the way. Jesus himself, the Bible's full of examples. And even in this church, we have great examples on which we're to follow. See, what you see with your own eyes, what you've seen, and you've seen God do something, let's continue to shine what he's done. I want us to be a witness that represents who we are and the legacy that's been passed down to us. I want the future generations to know that we have never changed. We have never lost what God has called us to be. We have never forgotten what God has brought us from. He's taken us from dark places. Come on. When I look at this church and I think about what it is, it's a church where people are transformed. Throughout the weeks and all the, throughout Witness It, you heard testimony after testimony. And some of these people have some hard lives. But God brought them all through it. God took people from the very bottom and he raises them up. Come on. The example we've seen that God can do it. If he did it for him, he could do it for you. I've seen it with my own eyes. So we got to be mindful of the example that we're setting. The last thing I'm going to give you today is that 
when I think about a legacy that's been passed down to us, there's no greater legacy than what Jesus himself gave us. In fact, Jesus said that I must go to my father so that the promise of God can come. He said that this is essential, that basically the legacy that was being passed on to us is what we really need to have as a foundational principle. We cannot forget about it. It's the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is so vital to our Christian life and for us being a witness. There's a dependency that comes from God because this was the gift that God promised to us. Throughout the week and week after week after week, I've told you, we need the Holy Spirit. We need the guidance of the Holy Spirit. We need the impartation, the infilling of the Holy Spirit. This gift that God gave you so that you can overcome, that you can stand before the Lord, you can trust in the Spirit of God. When you're doubting and when you're wondering whether or not I should do something, you can go before God and the Spirit of God can come and give us peace. Even before the service started, pastor was encouraging you to say, man, you need to tap in to the worship. You know, sometimes we can take for granted what God is pouring out for us. Do you know that sometimes we can get so accustomed to what God is, uh, that God is doing that we become jaded sometimes we don't even acknowledge, we don't even realize that we're walking into the presence of the God of the universe. And that when you're worshiping Him, you're not worshiping to a song or to an emotional feeling, but to the Creator that has every hair on your head numbered and every tear saved. Why? Because that's the God that we worship who's so concerned with you that there's nothing that you're going through that He is not concerned with that he's not working for your good, that the Holy Spirit's been working on your family that you've been praying for. These prayers are not idle prayers. They're not us shadow boxing, hoping that God would answer. It's a confidence knowing that our God can. Why? Because it's his promise. How many of a promise can't be broken? God is not a man that he'll lie. See, I break my promises all the time. I promise I'm not going to eat no fried chicken. <laughs> Well, look, man, let's be real. How many promises you broke? <laughs> we need to learn to trust in the Holy Spirit in its direction and guidance. We need to listen and obey. I know these things, see, because we're called to impact a generation. We're called to make an impact. We're called to build a legacy. What we're doing right now, we're supposed to be building on. We were passed down something. We're supposed to pass it down to the next generation. See, I believe that there's a wave coming. I believe that the new wave is coming. I believe that there's a bunch of new people that God is getting ready to draw in. And that God is not going to bring them in until we're ready to receive them in and that we're ready to impart something and we're ready to give them something. We're ready to take care of them. We're ready to be there for them. We're ready to minister to them. We're ready to pray for them. We're ready to sacrifice. And the most important thing that you need to realize is that you need to be ready to serve. Even Jesus himself said that the Son of Man didn't come to be served. He came to serve. So what example do we have to follow if Jesus himself said that I, I've come to serve? So even Jesus came ready to attention and said, what can I do? What can I be a part of? You know, the disciples, they couldn't understand why Jesus was washing their feet. He said, whoa, 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 this ain't right. Jesus said, no, this is exactly right. Because I don't care how, who you think you are, or how great you are, or what a great person you think you are, that in humility... God can exalt and that in servitude and when we serve one another that God can save this is the example that Jesus said himself why are we want to find another way Jesus prayed Jesus served Jesus loved Jesus set the example he didn't ask you to do anything he didn't do himself I thank God that there was one thing he didn't tell me to go to the cross he took my place and said I'm doing this so you don't have to I'm paying this debt so you don't have to 
So we have a God that's loving and serving that showed us a way. And then by his grace said that I'm going to forgive you even though you don't deserve it. And so he gave us the promise of the Holy Spirit and said, this is how you're going to know. This is how you're going to know what's true. This is how you're going to know what I'm saying is real. Romans 8 says this. It says, likewise, the spirit helps us in our weakness. Can I get the worship team to come up? Likewise, the spirit also helps us in our weakness. For we do not know what we should pray for, we ought to, but the spirit himself makes intercession. For us with groanings that which cannot be uttered, now he who searches the hearts and minds of the spirit because he makes intercessions for the saints according to God's will. Do you know when we submit ourselves over to the Holy Spirit, it says that it speaks in words that we can't even under. It's, a, it's an infilling, it's the speaking, it's the gift of speaking in tongues where we begin to pray and even though we don't know what to pray for, we don't know what's going on, the spirit himself comes and helps us. Pray for the right things. Verse 28 says, and we know that all things work together for good to those who love God. To those who've been called according to his purpose from whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his son that we might be first born among many brethren. Moreover, moreover, whom he predestined, he is also called and whom he's called, he's also justified and whom he's justified, these he has also glorified. Do you know that you've been called to be here, that you are not by accident when you walked in these doors, that this has all been a purpose and a design to get you to understand who you are in Christ, that this entire series and all this stuff is to get you to realize that you are part of a legacy that has been passed down from generation, from generation to generation, that from all over the world that people came, that, that this right here, do you guys, under, I want to give you guys something, Assemblies of God is one of the largest churches all over the world, thousands of churches all over the globe. Do you realize that this church right here was the very first Assemblies of God in all of San Jose? Do you guys realize that that's part of your heritage? That this was the first one that somebody said, I want to see God move in San Jose, and somebody came here to plant a church, and this was the first one? Do you know that's a responsibility? That's a great honor. That the Assemblies of God, do you know that Praise Chapel, you know, it started in L.A. Got a man from Europe, or London, Texas, Arizona, who was bouncing all over and said, I'm going to bring him here to San Jose to build a legacy. You know, God had him break hard ground. You know, with this church, we had a indoor hotel to hotel not knowing where we were going to belong we went to santa clara we went to sunnyvale we went all around the city we used to say well man we're supposed to be here we're supposed to be there but god intended for us to be right here in san jose do you know that god did that for a reason to broaden our perspective because though that we were called to san jose though we would be in san jose there was still a world that needed to be reached do you know that the name of our church started off as family life world outreach do you know that not only was it a family church, but it was called to reach the nations? Do you know that that's a part of who we are, to reach the nations? Do you know that we have to do that? But how are we going to reach the nations if we're not even reaching our city? So I know there's a great heritage. I know there's a great responsibility. I know there's a great calling. I know there's a great legacy. I'm building off of something that God has passed down. And I'm grateful to be a part of it. I'm stirred up. So what did we do? We said, you're the witness. You're the key. You're the one they were praying for a hundred years ago. They were praying for you. When they broke ground on this dirt and they put the shovel there, they were, they, they, God was thinking about you. Put you right here in this place. See, we're a part of something great. 
And I don't know if you catch it. So I said, God, I want to witness what's next. I got a vision. I have a promise. I saw what God wanted to do. There's been many times in my life that, that, that there has been times where we were being drawn out. And even to this day, people trying to draw us out. Man, I got an opportunity to go make San Jose money in Houston, Texas. Man, that's a lot. <laughs> and I was like, no. I know God is trying to do something right here. I know God is trying to do something in San Jose. I want to see it. I want to see it happen. And it was tempting. They're like, hey. And, then, and they're like, hey, we're going to introduce, we can introduce you to well, the largest church you can imagine in Houston, Texas. We got a great plug to take you there. It's like, no, God is doing something. 20, over 20 years, I've seen it. And I'm going to tell you something that's, when I set foot on this property, when we were going hotel to hotel, when I stepped foot on this property, it was kind of run down. It was beaten up. And there were some other leaders that were with us that are not with us anymore. And they were like, oh, it's so dirty. This is going to take a lot of money. And all I said, we're walking into destiny. I walked in here. I said, this is, this is destiny. You know, the Lord, the Lord told me years ago, he said, I'm going to give you this city. Everything that I've ever done in this city, God has given me favor. Everything, in fact, God said I was going to give you land in this area. In fact, he told me that whatever, when we needed something, that we can do it right here in Seven Trees. In fact, I went to the city one time and I said, man, we need money. They wrote checks for thousands of dollars. When we wanted to get into the school, we did partnership with the school. God gave us favor. Went over to the community center. They said, man, you can use the community center for whatever you want. There's always been favor here in San Jose. In fact, when we started to do Rise Above and God began to take it all over and began to become a, a national ministry and we began to be asked to go do this over here, over there. You know, the favor, it just wasn't there. It wasn't the same. It didn't feel the same until we did things here at San Jose. Everything that God has ever asked us to do, we have seen favor in this city. You know, the only problem is or the only issue is is that, for, that instead of being diligent and seeing it through and continued, we've stopped giving back to the community. We've stopped because what ends up happening is that sometimes the resources dry out. We get weary. We say, oh, but we get distracted. We lose our focus. We forget that this is what God has called us to do. And we've never stopped praying. We've never stopped believing. God, the Spirit of God is still here. But what ends up happening, it's not just what the pastors are. If only the pastors are the one that are believing, we're not going to see it come to pass. God is waiting for a people to stand together. So I wanted to end this service with something here because this whole series has been about what God is doing in your life. What are you going to do when you get home? How is this going to change the way that you pray going into 2020? How is it going to change the way that you're going to build? Because let me tell you something. The only way that we can see the full destiny of this church is together. So if you're with me, can you guys just bow your heads for a second? I'm just going to pray. Today I want to impart something in you. I want to impart the same passion the same vision that has been a part of this church for decades. I want you to walk out of here from the Spirit of God Himself, to walk out of here with the destiny that has been on Pastor Mitch's life, that's been on my life, that's been on Pastor John. Since the moment we walked here, we have not been distracted. We have not left the city. We have not stopped believing, but we have been waiting for a people to say, we're with you, we're behind it, we're going to do it.